Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today, we present a true story about fake lashes with Molly Garraway, head of customer experience at Love Scene. Lashes for those looking for a more naturalistic flair. Molly is a CX boss with four years experience leading the CX team at the Farmer's Dog and growing that team to over 100 members. With Love Scene, Molly is back in the trenches and building out a CX team and strategy from square one, wearing all the hats. In this podcast, you're going to hear how Jenna Lyons, former president of J. Crew, inspired Molly to take a leap of faith to join Love Scene. You'll hear why her first step in CX was starting conversations with their best customers, the biggest mistakes Molly sees brands make in the world of CX, and why every post-purchase flow needs a founder's story. I hope you enjoy it. On with the show. One thing I would now recommend to any manager, VP, no matter where you are in leadership at a company, spend a few hours a week if you can, or every month, getting in your inbox and talking to customers. It makes a huge difference in how you report on your data, how you talk to the rest of the team, and like what you ultimately choose to build for your business. What I keep coming back to in customer experience is it doesn't matter the product. I've done everything from suitcases to dog food to now fake lashes. It's just about building those relationships understanding what your customer needs and helping them find that. It's a really great way to build any business. It's not think about changing the world, but changing your one customer's world that day. D2C marketers, let's get real. How many hours have you wasted searching for brand influencers only to come up empty-handed? It's time to stop spending time searching, scrolling, and haggling with influencers and start using creator marketing with hashtag paid. With Hashtag Paid, you can find your perfect creator match for your brand in less than 10 minutes every time. Getting started is easy. Just select your audience, campaign objectives, pick from a short list of creators, and hit run. It's just that easy. There's a reason why Hashtag Paid is the number one rated influencer marketing platform for D2C brands. As a D2C listener, you can even get credits for your first campaign. Just go to go.hashtagpaid.com slash DTCpod to get started. Welcome to the D2C podcast, Molly. Can you tell me something that a lot of brands get wrong about customer experience? I think a lot of brands get wrong about customer experience thinking that it is just one part of the business and doesn't integrate or underlie everything else you do as a brand and as a business. A lot of companies silo it in the service world and don't integrate it with the rest of their business. I think a lot of brands get that wrong. So let's talk about your background a little bit. Tell me a little bit about your experience at the Farmer's Dog and talk about your decision to move to Love Scene. Yeah. um, So my experience at the Farmer's Dog, which I I greatly miss that team um, and I greatly miss the office full of dogs. I do have a dog at home, so I have one coworker still with me. But the Farmer's Dog was incredible. So I think one thing when I joined that team that made me really want to join the team was that they understood how important the customer was to their business and how important the customer experience was to building the business. So, you know, I got really dirty really quick with that team, growing them, um, just setting up a lot of processes and procedures from how to train new team members to how to make sure we were handling conversations efficiently. So everything in between. And it was just a lot of fun building something that was scalable, but also really personal. Um, You know, a dog is a lot of people's babies, so you have to take it very cautiously and very carefully. And 
one thing that was a motto at the farmer's dog was, you know, dog people are the best people. We're all dog people. And at the end of the day, that is what we all have in common. If you own a dog is like, you love them. So we just got to really build an exciting um, relationship with every single one of our customers. And that was, I don't know, something really special that you don't always get to do at a lot of brands is just talk to people about their dogs and relate to them and get to see pictures and give their dogs their best lives. So it was, it was a fun experience there. Um, switching over to love scene, it was, it was a tough decision. I, at the time was also, you know, we were in the middle of a pandemic. I was making a move out to the West coast and decided I, I wanted to also, um, you know, f- start fresh in a lot of ways. And the farmer's dog was, and, and mostly still is, based on the East Coast. I was moving to the West. I wanted to be a little bit closer to some coworkers. I happened to actually reconnect from um, with a coworker from Warby Parker way back in the day, who was starting to build out some things at Love Scene. And she, I will give her full credit that she was the one that championed customer experience from the start of Love Scene becoming an idea or a, a real business. She reached out to me. We just started talking about what the opportunities could be like for, for Love Scene and what that would look like in customer experience. It just sounded like a really fun adventure. And also it's it's co-founded by Jen Alliance, which I grew up just so in love with her. Um, everything she did at J. Crew and just who she was as a person was really exciting to be able to work under someone so amazing. Um, so I decided it was going to be a, a big change going from dog food to fake eyelashes. Um, but the team and, and Jet Alliance and um, the rest of the team I was working with really understood how important still customer experience is. No matter what you're you're selling or talking about, it's, it's really important that you connect with your customers and you're directly serving them. Um, so I made the, made the switch while I moved over the West coast, started fresh, started selling eyelashes. Um, and it's, you know, long story short, it's still doing it. <laughs> so you went from a team that was pretty established. Uh, I, I, I know it's grown a lot since you, you, you left even, but it was, how big was the CX team when you were at the farmer's dog? Yeah. So when I started, we were a team of 10, uh, just in customer experience. When I left 120 odd individuals on the customer experience team, you know, everyone from our frontline agents to specialists and managers, um, I stepped into customer experience at Love Scene being the one and only. <laughs> so yeah, it was a very dramatic change. What were some of the first things that you did, uh, like in your first couple weeks, even when you jumped onto Love Scene? The first thing I did was set up our help desk. Um, I did not want to be on Gmail answering questions and trying to track customer issues and questions. So I set up our help desk, kind of, you know, built out the foundations, the bare bones of that, really make it, one, a good place to get actual data from, but two, also the idea of scaling a team and growing the business. I wanted to make sure I could bring on team members, train them really easily and start to hand off conversations in a really easy way. So that was my first thing. Um, And then it was getting to talk to the customers and just answering questions, asking them questions, getting to know them and find out, you know, how did they find a love scene? What were they looking for for from fake uh, fake lashes? Just all those 
you know, basic customer questions as you're building a brand that you really want to know up front. Are they new to lashing? Are, are they experts? Or do they want something more volume, um, something more natural? And, and then it was really just getting their feedback on the product itself. So obviously, like the first week, you don't have a lot of customer feedback because product's not in their hand. But after that, you just start asking, like, what was your experience putting it on? How was the packaging? How did everything arrive? All of that. Um, and getting them to really give us str- straight, direct feedback, um, no filters. And also getting to post on the site, you know, word of mouth is huge, especially for a small business. And so we wanted to really build up our reviews and make sure that our customers were telling their truth. And, and that was spreading to the wider wider breadth of customers visiting lovescene.com. And so just even just practically, are you jumping on the phone with people? Are you, is, this, is this happening over email once they've made a purchase? What are the, like, the exact ways that you're getting this customer feedback? Do you have a list of questions that you're going through or is it a more naturalistic question? Great question. So I, we don't have a phone line because as a team of one, and now I do have two people who help me on the side, um, it is very hard to manage phones. So we're mostly keeping it to email. Um, we've introduced chat and SMS too. So we're keeping it text based for now. Um, we were just asking questions by email and kind of letting it flow a little bit. You know, I had questions I would want to to know and I'd keep them kind of on my notes like, hey, we need to find out more about this. So it would prompt me to ask certain questions, but I'd really let the conversation go where it needed to go. So if a customer said something about, you know, they have a condition where they need lashes, I'm going to be really careful about what I ask, but I still want to get to the root of like, okay, what kind of lashes do they look for and how do they apply it? Because how they apply it is going to look different than how maybe most or some of our other customers apply it. So it's it's kind of feeling out the customer and, and knowing we, what we want to find out, but then tailoring it to that conversation. So very early on, you set up the help desk, you do a lot of uh, sort of customer gathered, uh, gathering data, data capture. What were some more of the, the medium term projects that you kind of took on to, to, to help grow the CX? Yeah, yeah, gosh, medium term. Um, they all feel they all feel like they happened very quickly. A big part was the reviews, so seeding reviews from our customers. Um, another big project was our referral program and getting that off the ground. And we're also currently in the throes of developing that into a larger loyalty program for customers. Um, additionally, subscriptions. We're still playing around with that. I think it's we like the idea that it's easy for our customers. It's kind of a one and done, set it up and you can forget about it. We'll just send the lashes right to you. But we're also still learning a lot about how our customers wear lashes. And I think particularly for our product, we are in a world right now where not as many people are going out to events and events are typically where people wear false eyelashes. So we're also kind of trying to change the behaviors around when and how to wear your lashes. So we're still figuring out that and how that plays into subscription. And I think the other, you know, medium terms was just working with our social team to generate UGC and that constant conversation with influencers and how they, um, you know, help us build our brand and our following. I did an interview with Glamnetic a little while ago, and I sort of had the same assumption these would be for dressing up occasions. They, they brought up the interesting point that uh, with the Zoom call lifestyle that we all live now, that there's actually, in a lot of ways, there's sort of like never been more attention to people's faces. Is that one of the ways you're trying to kind of change the conversation around how people wear your product? 
Yeah, for sure. We have had a lot of customers, not just Zoom, but the fact that we're all wearing masks out every day. So the focus is on your eyes and people want to play that up. And I think also there is this side piece of, you know, euphoria and the makeup on euphoria and how a lot of people are getting more fun and playful with what they're doing as well, that there is kind of this new focus on eyelashes and people are rediscovering fake eyelashes as a fun or easy way to change up their look and change their style. And one thing I've personally noticed um, from my conversations and from me wearing them too, is like, it really does wake you up. It brightens you up. So when you are sitting on zoom all day or you're tired and you have to wear a mask and you're like, gosh, I'm going to look not so great out today. You can throw on something super easy that makes you feel a little bit brighter, um, which is really cool. And yeah, it's definitely, definitely changed how people are talking and wearing lashes. There are people I know personally from talking to love seeing customers that are like, never did I ever wear lashes. Now I put yours on and I never want to stop. Like this is a game changer for me. So it's cool. Definitely need that little extra, especially in the winter, especially in Canada. Gotta say, I'm ready for the spring. I don't know if uh, eyelashes <laughs> are going to help me in this regard, but uh, I'm willing to try anything. So, um, hey, we'll we'll get you we'll get you a pair. You can try them on and see for yourself. <laughs> send them over. I'll uh, I'll give them a test. I wanted to ask about your referral program. Um, so, what have you sort of learned in your in your time so far, like to optimize that referral program for your particular customer? The hard part about being in a pandemic and not being in a retail store where people can see it is that, especially for lashes, you kind of need customers to go out and, and talk about how it's looked for them and like share their, how they look in their lashes or their feedback on the lashes. Because we all, I mean, at the end of the day, we all know, yes, you can put some real life images out for your brand but it's never going to be quite the same as your customers talking about it and showing off them in the lash. It's unfiltered. And part of that is, is working with our referral program and our social media manager to really talk about, you know, you love the lash, share a lash with your friends. So we've played around with some of the discounts and some of the messaging. We're finding that the idea of basically like send a lash to your friend and get a lash on us has really worked because it's getting a lash in someone else's hands for them to try. And that's the surest way to sell the lash really is like, here, just look at it, take it out of the box, put it on. It's like no harm, no foul, no risk. You can just see for yourself, it's really what you need, or maybe it's not, but you got to experience it without risk. And maybe you had a great experience with it still that you're willing to pass on that referral or that word of mouth to the next person. So that's how we've been building it is more of just very straight word of mouth, have a lash on us and see what you like. Um, then trying to make it too, I think, difficult for customers to really seek reward from it. And so what was the thinking that, and, and to building it? So it's, you're talking about now going from the referral program to a loyalty program. So it's instead of just getting people to refer, it's sort of getting people to, uh, you know, check back in and, and sort of continually buy. What's the thinking about this transformation you're trying to make? I think it stemmed from the learnings of our referral program. You know, we find, we find that people are sharing, um, they're going out, they're talking about it. And there are some customers really preaching about us without us having to work for it. And there are customers who write us very 
kind notes um, or tag us on social media, but we really want to encourage that a little bit more from our customers, just really amplify their voice and make sure that, you know, they, they know they're part of our community. And if they subscribe or they're sharing more photos or posting on social media, like they're as much of our ambassador as they want to be. Um, and we want to be able to reward them for that. So you know, kind of the louder you are, the more you want to talk about it. Great. We're not going to like strong arm you into that, but we want to reward and like, thank you for that. And, and, you know, just be able to build upon those relationships with things we've already noticed customers are doing organically. We just want to be able to um, encourage more customers to do it. Nice. I'm taking the find my lash quiz right now. Uh, is that a, one of your initiatives as well? Uh, the, the quiz, the front end quiz? Yeah, that was one of, um, one of the initiatives we actually got off the ground with. So we launched with that knowing how, how important I think being able to help a customer find what they need on a site when you have such a selection of things and they're all, you know, especially with something like a lash where they're, they're different, they're different styles. And we all are different with our eye shapes and our preferences and our makeup looks. Um, so we wanted to launch something that was super simple. Obviously, we're not asking a million questions. It's three simple questions. We want to recommend a lash that is going to work for what you're looking for. Um, so that's, yeah, something we launched with. It's been really awesome to see what people select, too, in terms of the looks. Um, we really thought that people were going to want more glam. And actually, 90% of our customers are responding that they want something more natural, which also just solidified what we as a brand started out thinking we wanted to do was lean into this more natural lash because there wasn't anything else like that on the market. And we're finding, hey, that's what people want. So it was it was really cool to see that match. And then finding out the questions too around the eye shape. And it seemed like something so simple. Like we have, everyone has eyes. We stare at them our whole lives when we look in the mirror. Yet a lot of people don't know what your eye shape is. So it was just a really cool way to understand what our customers are looking for, where there are pain points, and how we could adjust um, as well. I had no idea, actually. And it's funny, when I when I think of false lashes, I do think of that sort of, um, you know, someone on stage or someone someone being really kind of over the top. But when I look at your products, like, it, they are extremely naturalistic. Like, it's, it's quite, I'm sure a lot of, I will say, men would even have no idea that someone was wearing false lashes using a lot of these products. I think that's the exciting thing about it is it's meant to enhance, you know, whoever's wearing it, their look, but it's not ne necessarily to change them. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to be a really natural, subtle lash. Our kind of a, one of our taglines is it's you only brighter. Our story. So love scene just to kind of back up to found it by Jenna Lyons all stemmed from the idea that she's actually born where she does not have lashes. It's not alopecia, it's a similar genetic disorder, but a lot of people struggle with this, the idea that like they don't have lashes, they don't have certain, there are certain features, right? We all have something we feel like we're missing. There's this big market of people who don't have lashes and they wanna put something on, but they didn't wanna put something on that's like in your face, caterpillar on your eyes. They wanted something that just looks like a natural lash. And that's what Jenna was looking for. And with her longtime makeup artist, the two of them put their heads together and developed this line actually on individuals of all different ages, colors, eye shapes, really just to start to build a line of lashes that really mirrored a natural lash. Um, so 
yeah, we have some higher impact looks, some things that have a bit more volume or boldness to it, but you're not going to feel like you're walking out the door and your eyes are weighed down with this heavy lash. Um, so that's where we got started. And it's been really interesting to see the customers who have noted they've put on a lash. They don't feel like they're wearing anything. They even forget they're wearing a lash. But other people comment like, wow, I love your mascara. Thinking they found this great new mascara. No, it's it's just a, a really soft, natural lash. I'm so interested when you go, you go from a team from 100 plus people at, at the Farmer's Dog to a one woman show uh, to start with. You're building out your team now. What, what's been the biggest challenge going from that environment where there's, I think, probably just such a clear case for CX? Obviously, bringing you on, an expert, you know, that, that's a huge vote of confidence for CX being a major piece of the puzzle at Love Scene as well. But what have you found to be sort of the biggest challenge going from such a big team to, to one where you're, you're more on your own? Personally, the biggest challenge has been because we are a lean and mean team, I've been taking on more across the board. I will say it's a challenge, but a really huge advantage because like I was saying at the very beginning, one thing that a lot of companies don't do is integrate their customer's experience and their support into everything they do as a brand and as a business. So I've been very fortunate where I've been learning, you know, the back end of our e-commerce and our email marketing and our SMS marketing and all these different components throughout the entire business that is helping keep it really consistent and really think about, hey, do we want to launch this partnership? Because it sounds really cool, but think about who our audience is and who our customer is and, and will this feel like it's it's resonating with them and how are they going to want to talk about it? Um, so it's been really, it's been a challenge to, to be involved in so much across the business, but it's been a, a really big advantage. I think the other challenge is, you know, when you don't have as many people in the room with you, sometimes you get stuck a little sooner. You know, you don't have as many ideas or people who can really kind of soundboard with you or bounce things like around, but you're also a little bit more flexible and agile. So there's always kind of like two sides to the same coin. You're touching both sides, right? You're having these direct conversations with your customers and then you're sort of bridging that into the actual, you know, CX practices in the company. Whereas with a bigger company, I imagine there's there's potential games of telephone that can happen there where you've got the frontline people having all these conversations and, and you probably lose a lot in those environments, whereas you're kind of tapped into everything. Yeah, 1000%. One thing I was actually really excited about, oddly enough, when I was thinking about this opportunity at Love Scene before I had taken it was that I was going to be talking with the customers. At the Farmer's Dog, I, I definitely was still tuned in and I was obviously aware of what our customers were saying, but I wasn't having those conversations directly with a customer as frequently as I am now. And I think being able to have those conversations, be able to really hear the customer, like see how they're responding, like the tone and you know, literally what exclamation versus period point they're using and being able to translate that back into the rest of the business and speak very confidently to it, be able to speak to the data, but also the story behind it. It's really effective. And I would say the one thing I would now recommend to any manager, VP, no matter where you are in leadership at a company, like spend a few hours, maybe a week if you can, or every month, just actually getting in your inbox and talking to customers. It makes a huge difference in how you report on your data, how you talk to the rest of the team and like what you ultimately choose to, to build for your business. So your team now, you have two people with you. What were those hires? And my next question would be, 
how do you see your team growing over over this year or the next couple of years? So we actually, it's been a, a bit of a, um, a roundabout way that they've come into CX. So one of them was hired into our operations team to help manage our warehouse relationships. She has been just so wonderful and obviously knows a lot about our back end and has just kind of migrated over into splitting her time on the operations side and within our customer experience side. And then our other team member was working directly with Jenna on a lot of projects and was starting to get more involved in Love Scene specifically and was someone we used for a lot of our marketing as well. Like she's absolutely beautiful, of course, as everyone is in general, but we were putting a lot of lashes on her, taking pictures for her Instagram, things like that. And so she was getting a lot of experience actually applying the lash, trying on the different styles, understanding how they worked or didn't work, et cetera. And so she just started talking with me about some things on the the makeup artist side and the customer's side and naturally progressed into answering emails with us. So didn't hire directly into CX per se. Um, I just noticed I was starting to need support on the day to day. And there were two team members who balanced that out really well because they had experience in other areas of the business as well. In terms of scaling, yeah, we're looking, we're definitely going to, to look to scale our team as not only we grow our direct-to-consumer business, but now we're also growing our wholesale side. So we recently launched in Target, which is exciting. Um, we have a partnership with Goop. We're over in Mecca in Australia. So as all these kind of avenues and, and channels of growth exist for us, we're going to really look at building out this customer experience team who first and foremost comes in and understands the customer conversations and all of our um, processes and, you know, behind the scenes with customer experience, but who then can dabble and step into other projects across the business, because that's how we've also set it up at Love Scene is I am such a part of so, so many other programs. It's not just, you know, referral isn't just a marketing play. It's part of the customer's experience. So having them also have a hand and work in other areas of the business will be really critical as we grow. It's time to let your customers enjoy the products they love without the friction of reordering. That's why the world's most innovative brands like Pete's Coffee and Il Maquillage rely on Order Groove subscriptions to build long-lasting customer relationships and deliver recurring revenue. Order Groove integrates with all e-commerce platforms, making the experience easy to manage and seamless for shoppers. From enrollment incentives to churn-fighting AI, Order Groove gives your business the tools it needs to be the next big subscription success story. Visit ordergroove.com slash DTC to receive two months off your first contract. How do you interface with the marketing team at Love Scene? So uh, we, the marketing team truthfully doesn't exist. Okay. Um, there's no, yeah, there's no um, classic or traditional marketing team. We have our social media team. We have um, a content and creative team, and we work with a partner um, on two different partners, one in PR and then one in social paid marketing. So we kind of go almost around this bubble of marketing and kind of cover our fields in that way. I, on the customer experience side and with our head of e-commerce, have stepped in to just build out our marketing hand in hand with our creative team. You know, everything from email to SMS to partnerships and paid ads, we're, we're doing all of that just kind of through combined efforts of the team and not just one marketing person or department. Does it come in under your purview, the growth side of things? I guess, yeah, you could say it does in a lot of ways. Um, I think it, it might 
depends slightly on what channel we're talking about. But like if it's social, it will fall more in our social media manager's realm. But yeah, in a lot of ways, it will come back to to customer experience and and my <laughs> my responsibilities, my my umbrella, I should say. What can you tell me what KPI, what's jet nuts maybe specifically, but what what general KPI are you managing to on the CX side? A few. I think if we look at CX and we think about it in the more traditional sense, I am managing more to kind of some support KPIs, average response time, our contact rate, also playing into our average order value and lifetime value with customers. And we're still a little young, so our return rate is not a huge focus, but it's something we're, we're keeping an eye on in the background. We're kind of backburnering. We, we know it's important. We just want to be able to adjust as we're still acquiring so many new people. And then it all, I, I will say we also, my other KPI is um, probably conversion rate on the site because a lot of what we do is, is the conversations. We have chat, we have email um, we're doing a lot of selling and supporting on the customer experience side. So I do play a lot to the conversion rate. And then also you mentioned, you know, your tech stack and you mentioned the bundling that, that you've been able to do. Is is AOV something you pay attention to as well, trying to get people to make sort of uh, bigger purchases? Yes, yes. So we have introduced some great accessories um, to Love Scene, which I think while we don't ever want to say they are necessary, we think they're really important to creating a better lash experience for our customers. So we have found ways to really communicate and really naturally, I don't like saying upsell because we're not trying to push a product on anyone, but we want them to feel like, hey, we, we've listened to or like seen kind of what you're starting to to gravitate towards. And, you know, we do take some temperature test with um, like the lash quiz. We had some other pop-ups too, like finding out if they're new to lashing or not. And we listen to those different points of feedback and say, hey, we think you might actually want to go ahead and try our lash tool or you sound like you're always on the go. You might want to carry a brass box and have your lashes safe while you're traveling. So we're trying to try and upsell them slightly um, or at least provide you know, some additional recommendations on what makes sense for them. We've built out some flows as well. We, we did a lot, I will say early on, or within the first year, really, a lot of email campaigns that we've now turned into flows because we were just testing, hey, like this segment of customers, do, do they like this type of incentive to buy or do they like this type of product to tack on to their orders? Um, and since then, we've added that in as flows to customers' lifecycle. And it's, it's been, it's definitely been interesting because, you know, we are still small and we have only a small number of customers to really learn from. So we're trying to be personal without being too personal because we don't want to lose a wider breadth of customers who might be interested. Um, But we don't want to blanket customers with like, you bought this, go buy that. Um, Doesn't work for everyone. And it's, it comes off a little disingenuous um, and a little too salesy. And that's not who we are either. So email falls in sort of under your purview. Can you talk a little bit about some of the changes and evolutions that you've made? Obviously, I I love that idea of kind of starting out with campaigns and then building them into more automated flows based on purchases, based on survey answers, potentially. Um, What else? What else have you sort of developed on the email side of Love Scene? 
So we have found for us, because we are still new and our list is growing pretty quickly month over month, a lot of those emails we were sending early on that were prompting customers to purchase were also kind of staying in the past. So similar to that turning campaigns into flows, we were finding a lot of that early information about who we are as a brand and you know why we started and breaking down the anatomy of our lashes. We were losing all of that to some of our older customers and not actually communicating that to our newer customers. So we've built a lot of that into our welcome series, making sure we're telling the story of why we exist and you know what, what our lashes serve in, in the market. Some other things we've been doing that I think we've been playing around a lot with our UGC and customer view emails. Some of them really hit and then some of them don't. And so we're playing around with the format and, you know, using reviews in a slightly different way alongside influencer pictures or alongside the pictures from our customers themselves and how we're breaking down the lash and like what kind of reviews we're using um, just based on two who we are finding actually gravitates towards those emails. Um, We have a lot of wonderful reviews, but they all say something a little different. Some people talk about the ease of use. Some people are talking about the style. Um, And so we're trying to be a little bit more specific in what reviews we're pulling and then what kind of reviews we're sending to certain individuals so that if there is a certain concern or something, uh, you know, a block for them in terms of purchasing that we need to get them over that hump, making sure we're actually addressing that with other customers like them and, and their their experience with the lash. One of the things you mentioned earlier too um, regarding your email and some of the content that you built in there was how important your founder story is. And it's funny because it's one of the main reasons that you joined, um, you know, left in a, a really established company to, to a new one was the story of this founder that you'd been following. Um, so I imagine in the email flows and potentially even in your marketing, that founder story has been really valuable as well. It's funny. I think, you know, we wanted to introduce something that was more inclusive and more natural. I don't think we, and we definitely talk about Jenna's story. We don't want to hinge on it. I think I have seen a lot of brands that talk only about their founding story, but then never really talk about how that that evolves over time, especially as they bring in new audiences. I actually find it was kind of the opposite for us. We we didn't hold too much onto Jenna's story and we were finding that's really what people were drawn to. We, we did talk to the audience, obviously that didn't have lashes. And we talked to how, you know, there's an invisible band. So it just, it looks like it is your lash, but now we're finding we almost haven't done enough service to those customers and talking about, you know, their experience with lashes and how they can apply and wear the lashes just as well as anyone else can. Um, I think, you know, with makeup too, People often think like, oh, you mascara is just to enhance your already great lashes. Well, maybe you don't have the lashes you want. So we have a lash for you. And I think it's talking to that that audience who, like Jenna, feels like maybe they're not seen by the makeup community or other makeup brands. And I think a lot of brands want to maybe go after an audience or um, a customer who is the most glamorous, Um, you know, a lot like going back to euphoria, makeup is huge right now. So people want to play into Gen Z or certain, certain different areas and are reaching for these audiences, but are leaving this other large audience underserved and, and underappreciated. And that's what we've kind of started to come back to is, Hey, we do see you. This is, this is why we exist. And 
we're here to help you find something that makes you feel seen. Um, so yeah, it's it has been a large part. More recently, coming back into play, um, Jenna's story, for sure. You mentioned that you're constantly segmenting your customers. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of segmentation you're you're using here? Is it based on their purchases? Is it based on their on-site behavior? What kind of segments are you are you testing? Mostly purchase behavior. Um, I think because that's the most definitive, right? Like I know personally when I shop, I browse around and I want to just look at everything. When I buy, I'm a little more intentional. So we're starting to pull out trends of, you know, how often people are buying lashes to understand their usage too. Especially, like I said, some people are going out to events and using them more often. Some people are using them because they're on Zooms every day or they want to brighten up their eyes over their mask. So we're starting to learn some habits around that. Also, I think understanding what lashes, like what are our best sellers? Is there a colorway that is starting to take precedent over another? Are there lashes that people are buying together? You know, something more natural, but then they're also buying a higher impact and starting to get a better picture of those customers. One thing we talked about early on, and we do still lightly talk about it, but we've moved away from categorizing customers by age because we realize like, again, for us, is not necessarily about age. It's just about how you want to wear your lashes and maybe what good lashes are to you. So there are definitely people who are maybe younger who don't have lashes and want to have something that's still natural. And that could work on the other side of the spectrum too. Someone who maybe is a bit more mature or older has lost lashes, lashes due to aging, but also just wants to bring that back into their everyday look of something really subtle and really natural for them. Um, So we've moved away from the age discussion a little bit more and are looking at more just the need and like what styles they're they're kind of gravitating towards. You mentioned some of the retail partnerships that you're building on. That's super exciting. Is that under your purview as well or is that another aspect of the company? And then if it is under you, are there any other big partnerships that you're sort of really eyeing up for, for, for this year? There are, I will say, spoiler alert, no new big ones coming in. Target is kind of our mother load um, right now and has been a very exciting one for us. It doesn't directly fall under my purview, but I am connected to those those whole wholesale relationships. Um, being that, one, we're small, but two, obviously where we sell is directly thinking about what our customers' experience is. So yeah, we have Goop, which has been really cool. Um, That was an organic relationship through Jenna, of course. Um, And we have one of our lashes, our bestseller through Goop. And then we have actually a whole new line, our Featherlift line that we designed specifically for Target. And I will say when we were in talks with Target initially, one thing that, you know, the reason we got started as Love Scene, and I think what they really recognized too, was there isn't a set of natural eyelashes out there for customers to to buy. And so it's been a really exciting experience to now see our lashes really side by side with some of these other brands that are a bit more glam or, or bigger overall and seeing pretty drastic difference and seeing how customers directly gravitate to that. So I know I've personally gone to like my local Target and just see after it's stocked, like, ooh, okay, it's already like, it's looking pretty low low stock over there. That's great. I guess people are buying it compared to some of these other brands, which still seem to be, um, you know, pretty well stocked. So yeah, we've had a lot of great relationships and great success early on. And I, I think it's because 
like you were saying, it's an interesting environment to be in right now where people are starting to put more, more focus on their eyes and are now realizing you can do that without having to do something that makes you feel like you're going to an event or or wearing something that's super heavy and itchy and irritating to your eye all day. It, it just seems much more functional rather than novelty, right? Like I think a lot of, of and, I, and I guess, uh, you know, lashes when you're out at a club aren't necessarily novelty. There's a function there as well. But yeah, just this idea of, of these naturalistic uh, lashes. I wanted to ask about Target because that's, you actually, did they require that you launch something custom for Target? I was thinking about this yesterday when I was, was, I was looking at a pair of shoes and realizing how they were different at this store than they were at other stores. And and is that is that super common with big, um, big companies like that, that you actually want to launch new products into them? You know, I'm not 100% sure. I've noticed that with other brands. And I do think, I, I think it's a bit of a 50-50. I know for us personally, we were also really excited and interested in designing some new styles because we launched with all of our current styles that are on lovescene.com. And, and we knew that we were seeing success with those styles. We also knew that there were still a number of other looks that were different for different eye shapes and different needs that we weren't even yet catering to. And the great thing about Target is it's so accessible for customers, you know, not just price point, but the availability around the country. People know it really well. We're all culprit to like going in, just trying to buy one thing and then leaving with like $400 worth of goods. So it was an exciting opportunity for us to get our lashes in more people's hands by just bringing over some of our existing lashes, but also introducing some new ones that we thought might also speak to customers that we weren't necessarily seeing at lovescene.com and we knew were in areas of the U.S. that we weren't yet actually kind of breaking into. Got it. Okay, so if we were to grant you a $50,000 grant uh, to be used uh, in your department and customer experience, where would you use that to see the the biggest growth over the next couple of years? I think first and foremost is not necessarily revamping, but it would be put into building out our tech stack a little more. I think there are really great programs that we can implement and we are Shopify users. Um, There are really great apps and solutions we can implement on Shopify that I'd be so excited to get up and running and help, I think, create just a more cohesive, integrated customer experience. A lot of what we are doing is still manual. So while I am happy to do that as a one-person team, obviously also thinking about scaling a customer experience team and scaling a business, you want to have ease of use on your back end, just making sure they're not clicking around and trying to put things in a million different places. They just have everything they need at their fingertips. So I think it would be really investing in a really clean, well-integrated tech stack, also introducing some fun new functionalities like we were talking about the loyalty program and, and such. Yeah, I think that would be number think, one. And then... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, what's number two? Yeah, I was going to say number two, take a portion and just do some fun surprise and delights for some some customers that we've had which we've been doing since day one anyways. Um, but I think they're, you know, when you're a small, a small business, if you have a little extra money and you can really put it back into your customers, there would be some fun things I know I could do with some really lovely customers that we've had. That's a really nice idea. What, can you give me an example of a surprise and delight? It's like the opposite of shock and awe. What's the, uh, what's, what's a good example of a surprise and delight campaign that you've done before? We have used um, Jenna in a lot of ways to to surprise and delight our customers. A lot of customers have found out about us because of Jenna. They, you know, they follow her and then they found out she launched a brand. And there have been so many customers who have shared their story with us 
whether they just love Jenna and they, they now love our lashes or they didn't have lashes and now they found out about our lashes and are wearing them. And, you know, for whatever reason, they've written to us about their wonderful experiences. Um, and we've had Jenna personally record videos or send a message through email or whatever it looks like to these customers thanking them. And sometimes, depending on the situation, we'll, we'll send some extra lashes or things like that. But I think the idea of being able to have a little bit more money behind that and be able to send some additional packages, because some of these stories are, are really touching. We've had customers go through chemo and, um, you know, some other really terrible life circumstances. And these lashes have given them a little bit of self-confidence back. And we want to do a little bit more maybe to provide them that love and support from Love Scene outside of just lashes to show them like we are in this with them. We are not just a lash provider to them. Like we are an ally and a friend and, you know, a, a family to them. Could you name any other brands that you're either you're a personal fan of or uh, a professional fan of out there who you think are really nailing CX? I mean, not to toot my own horn, but the farmer's dog. <laughs> I'm so obsessed with their their team. They really do. I, I can say this like wholeheartedly. I know that everyone in that entire business and their leadership team is so invested in the customer and making dogs lives better, which is, I mean, it's hard not to get behind dogs, right? Like you, we love, we love dogs and making, you know, giving them a long, healthy life. So I think they, they're really great. I also really love Girlfriend Collective. You know, their product, the quality of their product speaks for themselves, but the way that they have showcased their customers and have never shied away from being inclusive and not even, I don't, I don't even think they're making a show of it. They're, they're simply just using models who are active um, and are, you know, want to wear great athleisure. They're doing it in a really great way and just showing what their values are without having to rant and rave about it. Um, so I think they have a really, really great brand. Um, and or I've, be overly provocative. I've seen I've seen so much of people, you know, using bo- body positivity for its like almost for its shock value in a way, which is kind of bus- beside yes. the point in a way. I'm just on Girlfriend Collective right now, and it's just it's matter of fact. You don't think for a second it's like they're not making a political statement. It's just good people wearing good clothes. Yeah, it's one thousand percent one of those. An image ha- says a thousand words. They are just showing you what they value without having to leave a lengthy blog post about it as well. They're just living their values. Um, And I think they do it in, yeah, a really soft way. Um, But you can tell that they stand behind all of those values and beliefs. Um, And I've had to email their support team a couple of times and they are lovely and they make it easy um, and they're quick to respond. So they, they definitely, they have, my vote of confidence across the board for sure. That's awesome. I have to give a shout out to Sierra who works at Pilot House on our partnerships team, uh, but she also has a side hustle called Bent Swimwear. And I feel like she does, you know, being on this side and, and after checking out their brand, I think she does such a great job with her marketing and her customer experience on on that sort of, um, I guess, body, body positivity side um, as well. It seems to have a similar vibe. So, so good on you, Sierra. Awesome. Now I'm nice. like, ooh. Swimsuit shopping, great. <laughs> yeah, check it out. We, all, we have a never-ending reason to uh, to be finding great products here. But again, it's it's great when when the companies are built from the ground up with these you know great ideas in mind, which is which is what I see again and again from all these people that I talk to. Um, and it's just so amazing that so many people are are getting to work in in such meaningful engagements. I think ultimately, 
And you're such a great example of someone that was able to go from one uh, and then be able to call your, your shot uh, and, and go to another great opportunity where you've been able to build out your own thing. So congrats on that. Thank you. It's, it has been a fun ride. I think one thing I've, I've learned and what I keep coming back to in customer experiences, it, it doesn't necessarily matter the product. Like I've done everything from suitcases to dog food to now fake lashes. It, it's just about building those relationships and understanding what your customer needs and helping them find that, whether, whether that's with your brand or another. Um, and it's just, I think it's a, it's a really great way to build any businesses, not necessarily think about changing the world, but changing your one customer's world that day. Okay. So if you're listening to this and you would like to learn more about Love Scene, you can go to lovescene.com. Molly, do you have any social media that you ask people to, to check you out on? Or are you more of a private person? You know, I, if you want to follow me, I can't say I'm that interesting. Um, you know, follow, I would say at love scene is probably a lot more fun to follow, but if you want to follow me, I'm just at Schmolly pops, S C H M O L L Y P O P S. Um, can follow me there for all my fun adventures in California. <laughs> nice. Well, I am building a elite team of CX professionals via this podcast. So you will add you to the, uh, to the roster. Um, and we'd love to get you more involved in the future. Yeah. Excited. Thanks for having me. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.